Hi. Hi. Here we come, coming at you. This is for the girls podcast. This is for the this is this is a live hot on the mic for the girls podcast. We are a queer podcast um, celebrating uh, the wonderful ladies in our lives. Exactly. This is a podcast about fandom. It's about we are just exploring why the LGBTQAI pluses are obsessed with iconic female performers. This is a friend of all of Dorothy's. This is a this is a friend of Dorothy podcast. This is a podcast. Did, did you do you do you say Dorothy or Judy? A, a friend, friend of, of Judy's Judy or a friend? or a friend of Dorothy? I say a friend of I would say a friend of Judy. I think first. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I think my mom literally uses says a friend of Dorothy's. Still, Michelle's still on that tape. She's still on. I those heard her like say that a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, get put me in the back room and hide me." <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so if if you're just tuning in for the first time, Jason and I are best friends. We grew up together. We grew up obsessed with divas. This is a podcast about divas. Um, we grew up obsessed with Bette Midler primarily, but kind of all things diva. And definitely you grew up obsessed with The Wizard of Oz. I, I did. I absolutely did. And it's something that I don't think about a lot, but then I realized oh, that was actually my very tried and true first movie that I was in love with as a child. Mm-hmm. Like completely enraptured by and it kind of has informed everything I, i've realized like my love for musicals my love for witches mm-hmm. um, my love for divas i don't know yeah it's something that uh just after yesterday after um something that we will soon be talking about after what just really clicked clicked in with me after what just happened and so we just made this podcast <sighs> to just celebrate because the world is terrible and we just wanted to shine a light on all the amazing Female performers in it, and uh, because we are at height podcast culture, it's podcast culture is out of control. Everything has a podcast. Every movie that comes out has a podcast. It's I'm so embarrassed to make you all listen to us talk. (laughs) (laughs) And let's start and and then it just ends and it just ends. (laughs) Two, we just have two minutes, and so we just decide, like, it goes right off the air. That would be really apocalyptic and scary. We'll talk about, um, uh, yes, yes, yes. Speaking about scariness, y'all, Battle Angels, we've, we haven't been live in a while. We haven't been, which, I know it doesn't seem like that to you guys, but we do, we do, like, big batches of pods, and we've had those for the last few months, and we haven't done, like, a current new one in a second, because I was away working uh, on a really fun project, and I didn't have the fucking time to pod with Jay. But now we are back en courant, super... Um, and also, I just want to say, before we start, uh, we're really overwhelmed by all these letters we're getting from y'all, by all these lovely reviews we're getting from y'all. So thank you. And we're going to try to figure... We used to... Remember, we used to like say that we were going to read a letter every week, and then we didn't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-mm. But we're going to do something with them. We're going to make them into a paper mache hat or something with these letters. They're beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, thank you. We're, almost, we're, we're reaching our year. Can you believe it? We're just it, a couple months shy of our year. It's so crazy, this year of podcasting. We're leaving. We're leaving. I've never said this term, hot girl summer. We're leaving hot girl summer. We are leaving. Was it a hot girl summer for you? No. <laughs> no, it was it was it was still t it was still t shirt in the pool summer for me. Um, <laughs> it was it was still a extra large Tweety t shirt in the pool for me, um, which maybe I don't know. Oh, God, no, I never no. Even though you, the audience, might seem like we're with you every fucking Tuesday, we're catching up. So you just have to sit here and deal with it. 
Uh, I haven't talked to you about a couple things that I'm obsessed with. Okay. One is Hustlers. Oh yeah, dog. Oh, I know, I know that that was definitely um, on on a like, should we be doing this list? <laughs> I know we really should have done a Hustlers episode. Maybe we will because you know we love cold takes. Or yeah, I mean, I th- I think J Lo is gunning for that Oscar. So at some point, I also hear there's an amazing um, Constance Wu article in the New York in the New Yorker where they talk about what a fucking diva she is, and then the other take of it is like, good that she's a diva. I'm, oh, I'm here yeah. for her being a diva. Oh, yeah. You know, she has, like, a little bunny that poop poops everywhere. Like, on every set she goes, Wait, she, she takes a the... live rabbit. She t- yeah, that's, like, <laughs> that's like the one of the big sections of everyone, like, reporting on her diva-dom is that she takes a live uncaged, keeps a rabbit uncaged and lets it bunny hop and poop all over <laughs> every hotel room or apartment that they give her. So then, like, every time she leaves, the place is just covered in bunny poop poop. And that's, like, what... And I'm, like... Bring it. Bring it. Bring it uh, on. Yeah. I love you, Constance. I'm I love that movie so much. I had such a good time at it. I think she's I think Constance Wu is great in it. I think she is too. And she can fucking she fucking carries that movie and she's amazing. I mean it is her movie. What people I think don't know is that it is actually Constant Wu's movie. Like yeah. we follow her perspective and her journey the whole time. Yeah. Um J Lo is truly a supporting character, which like gives me so much fucking excitement. Because, like, she, I mean, at this point, who's going to beat that best supporting actress? I mean, we still have like, we, is... we still have Jackie Weaver for Palms, so how dare you? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Yes, we, y'all, we absolutely if you, do. If y'all are late to this party called this podcast, go back and listen to our iconic episode about Palms. It's a I've movie about, about Palms. So, yeah, it's Diane's Diane. Um, it's, Diane's, it's Diane's kiss to death. Kiss to death. Um... <laughs> And, and yes, it is iconic. Yeah, I, yeah. We should. That's something we really should do. Is just really dig in, like to Palms and Diane for uh, all of the award seasons. But I think J Lo's got. I think. I mean, this is J Lo's bag. I like, know she is live. That movie line interview is so crazy too. Also, her f- fucking looks. Her lookbook for this whole oh um, everything press junket is just been. She is in this like leather entire brown leather look which is like a leather skirt like a leather halter like a leather hat like uh leather bits leather hats leather hats leather hats leather hats leather leather everything (laughs) i'm so excited about this entire situation don't sleep on j-lo so the other thing that happened to me was i had never seen her iconic film enough and uh, (laughs) a couple new friends of mine like sat me down to watch enough and it was so it brought me so much joy i love when she gets her short haircut I love when she goes full sleeping with a stranger and she's like, now I'm, now I'm bad. It was so good. Now I'm a kickboxing badass. I'm so obsessed with her. Like the whole montage of her learning how to kickbox was so excellent. It's the most Aussie thing I've ever seen in my life. Enough. With a, with an Aussie best friend too. With like oh, such an Aussie, iconic best friend. Aussie Ju- Juliet Lewis. Just like coming in with her kooky strength. <laughs> with her kooky strength. <laughs> it really holds up that movie. Oh, the other thing I'm obsessed with that I've been meaning to tell you about or talk to you about is Unbelievable on Netflix. Oh no. Mm-mm. Are you not here for it? I'm I am not here like um okay, Battle Angels, more truths about me. I don't like I obviously like love true crime and all of that. Things that I don't like are when people are fal- falsely imprisoned and then we have to like that just to me like it it I it can't leave me. So then also when you're 
um, falsely accused of reporting right. or, or like, I don't even know how to say that when you are, when you are, when you are told that like when you report a crime that you're lying and then I, I listened to that story years ago and it just, it made me sick to my stomach. So the thought that it's a TV show, whoa, girl. It's really good. And I'm so here for Merritt how intense Weaver. Is it? Merritt Weaver is so amazing. I really? can't get over it. I just Did she play dreaming. the detective? Yeah, well, she and Tony Collette are two different detectives, and then they like join okay. forces to solve the crime. I'm not done with it yet, so don't give me any spoilers. But um, oh, you don't know what happens, babe? No, because I didn't read the thing, so I don't know what happens. So don't tell me. I'm going to finish it this afternoon, I think. Mm, okay. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, enjoy it. I heard the first episode is like something really difficult to sit through. It's really hard. That first episode is really, really hard. I mean, they're all hard because it's about rape and it's really graphic. And Merritt Weaver is just my everything. And all I'm doing is sitting around thinking about how I can get cast in something opposite Merritt Weaver. Here's something that I was sleeping on. And so this is like, no, you know, I, you're, you're promoting some occurrence shit. Um, and I'm, I've been real sleeping on this. Uh, I went home. I guess like a couple, a couple weeks ago. And usually when I go home, my mom and I will binge something an iconic mother and son binge. And, uh, we came late to the party for glow. Oh yes. And, that's right. You just discovered glow. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've always known about glow and it's just, I don't know. I can't explain how, how I come to things or how I watch things. I have no idea, but you know, and there, I always talk about the mom grade. Like when you're just like enjoying something with your mom, there's uh-huh. it's kind of different and i don't know if it would be different with this show because it's just absolutely terrific it's everything i want the fashion is to die for the soundtrack is to die for absolutely um, i've betty been listening gilpin to i am a genius a... stop it stop with miss betty gilpin i talked to you actually about this um I, I think a month ago and you you said you said the greatest quote you said she has an opinion on everything and she, it's her face. She has a point of view. She has a point, a of, point view. of view. When she's acting, she has a point of view on everything that's happening. Everything. And it's just on her, and it's like, it rides on her face. Yes. Like, you can see when she has a thought, and she struggles with the thought, goosebumps. and then it comes oh, out different. Goosebumps. Like, I mean, in the first three episodes, I just kept looking at my mom, and I said, I, this acting is, like, so few I've seen. And yeah. it's it, it, and I'm it's unexpected, because it's, it's a kind of a lighter... Uh, a show, but I just, I think it's one of my favorite shows of all time. I know that that's crazy to say, but it no, gives me not. all that's the crazy. Yeah. It gives me all the things I want. I mean, it's just like a, a group of women banding together, supporting and helping each other set in the eighties. The theme song is warrior. And I've been getting up every morning and listening to that song. Is that like, your new, is that your driving new in my little Prius? Yeah. Yes. I will survive. Yeah. I will survive with being a warrior. So yes, hooray to Glow and Betty Gilpin. Betty Gilpin does a really amazing Diane Weist impersonation, and I hope one day when she comes on this podcast, she'll do it for you. We have to get her on. And there, and y'all get get with it because they only have one more season. They're wrapping it up on the fourth season. This is going to be I uh, also, their last. I am so. also loving that lately of people being like, "Hey, guess what? This it's is nice. enough." You know, we don't, not every story needs to be 99 hours long. 
you know? Well, that's, that's the other thing I like about a girl is that um, content now is – like each episode is an hour long. And I love that this is just in ha- – this is around half an hour to 45-minute like um, segments that you can – Just like this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Every t- Nick and I are always like, we can do this quick, babe. This is good. This is going to be our thirty-minute one. <laughs> Three hours later, we're still talking about palms, <laughs> Diane's, Diane's, <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, okay, babe. Okay, so okay. what are we doing this week, babe? Okay, what are we doing? Okay, girl. Okay. All right. Okay. Buckle up, battle angels. I'm sure you all were just breathlessly anticipating our um, our fall stories, our ooky spooky fall theme stories. That's right. We were going to come at you hot and strong um, with some with some scary with some scary material. Some okay, Halloween kids. realness. Halloween some realness. Halloween realness. Listen, 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 listen. We still are going to do that. Yeah. We absolutely have that planned. Except there was just a little movie that got in our way. Yes, kids, we're talking about Ad Astra. <laughs> That's right, my queens. We're doing Ad Astra today. Ad Astra is the least for the girls movie I saw what all year. What is an Ad Astra? What it means is to it? the stars. Okay, we're not talking. I saw it the other day, though. Oh, you did? <laughs> There's a really iconic... Um, there's Lou Tyler. That's my girl. <laughs> there's also, there's an iconic Natasha Leone cameo in Ad Astra that I was here for. So yes, yeah, so Liv Tyler. <laughs> she Natasha plays the queen of Mars. <laughs> Natasha Leone. She plays the lady who checks you in when you come to Mars. No. <laughs> I'm dead fucking serious. She's like she the sure front desk clerk of Mars in that movie. Natasha Leone like, like lost her American spirits somewhere on a lot. And walked in and sat down, and they were like, "Oh, I, 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 I guess Natasha Leone's gonna be the check-in at Mars." She's still fumbling around the desk trying to find the cigarettes, and just starts improvising the lines. This is a podcast where I just tell the plot of Ad Astra. No, I want you to. We were fully because there are five Tuesdays in October, and I was looking at the <laughs> schedule, and I was like, "Fuck, that's a lot of Halloween content." But we are yeah, here it for it, and we have it coming for you. We have. We have two really great guests, um, Brandon Rizzuto and Spindle A. Webb, who are a couple, actually, who we interviewed in L.A. a few months ago, who are really cool. And they have and some spooky divas. Asses. Yeah, and arguing your asses with their divas. We keep being like, we think this is punk. And they're like, no, sweeties, it's goth. <laughs> and I think both Nick and I were like, so what is the difference? Because <laughs> <laughs> we aren't either. If it ain't Broadway, it ain't us. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not that much of a faggot, but I am. Um, <laughs> but uh-huh. I am. So then we were fully going to do a spooky episode today to start off Halloween season right. But the other thing that happens in Halloween season is dressing up, impersonating iconic people. And that is a little movie called... Judy. Judy. So I... Uh, uh, this week I went to sleep and I had a dream that Nick and I were driving in a car and I was talking to this y'all this podcast as has taken over our lives and I was fighting with Nick about do, do, doing Judy Garland and in my dream and then in real life the next day I said to Nick Judy is for the girls podcast yeah. it is the movie podcast of what we're doing and Nick you had some really like beautiful 
um, concerns about it that I found so interesting and so thought provoking. Because for me, I was like, we can't continue without talking about like the Judy Garland biopic starring Ms. Renee Zellweger. Absolutely. Like that has to happen. But you had some like really kind of interesting things uh, uh, about uh, yeah. that. Yeah. I had been filled with angst about this movie for months. Um, I hadn't watched the trailer. I actually hadn't seen any clip of it before I walked into the theater last night. And um, I just had a lot of, I have a lot of anxiety. I'm a huge Renee Zellweger fan, but I'm obviously a really massive Judy Garland fan. And the fact that she was singing it made me just filled with angst because I'm just like singing it live, singing it live. You like, I was like, you can't fuck with this with me. You can't do this to me. Just lip sync it. Just do like Marion Cotillard did in Livia Rose fucking lip sync it. Act it. Yes, absolutely. But don't try to sing my Judy's work. And so I was just filled with anxiety about it. And I just, I, I didn't want to, hate Renee Zellweger. Like, I didn't want something to happen that would stand in the way of that. I didn't want Judy to be dishonored. I had so many, so many intense feelings going into the movie. So, yeah, I'm just going to start there. So I was, like, very conflicted, but Jay, you convinced me to do the episode regardless. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were, like, hyperventilating, and it was, like, getting really excited. I was, like, I spent, like, 45 minutes in the parking lot of a Trader Joe's, um, like... <laughs> like like we were just freaking out like kind of going back and forth it was real fun and i will say even though this isn't quite fall this is such a fall movie for me kiddos like this is hmm. such a hmm. i mean just well yeah you know it's like it's set in london and oh. it's like it's it's it has so much beautiful um trappings i just i i just felt like i was wrapped in like a warm like snuggie of like coffee and cookies watching you know yeah like, it's cold uh, she's like bundling up a lot yeah, she's in her furs, and I just like I just like transported myself to Thanksgiving, and I was like, "Put this on while I'm making the turkey. Let Absolutely. me walk in and out from some of these beautiful moments." Um, so, I, even though y'all like wait for our ooky spooky next week, um, uh, this this go see this. This is going to get you into that that spirit. It's a classic. It just feels classic. It does feel classic, and, clothes, and so. it's also. Uh, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, we're going to fill it with spoilers. So many spoilers ahead. And, well, I mean, go- goddamn. If you are listening to this podcast and don't know what happens to Miss Judy Garland, <laughs> s- s- sweeties, p- p- go. Go to a library. Go to a library. <laughs> it's also hard. Or go to our favorite Wikipedia and set up a recurring donation to them because they're amazing. And I give them $3 a month. It's not that expensive. <laughs> Them and Elizabeth Warren get three of my dollars yes. every fucking month. I actually think my Elizabeth Warren contribution's up to ten. It's a politics oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, um, so the other angsty thing I had about this is we haven't done Judy yet. We haven't done a full Judy episode. There's a Judy stand who we want to come on and we haven't been able to book yet. And I, we kind of did with A Star is Born. And this will not be a full Judy Garland episode. Um, but we have to, we just have to do this movie. We have to <laughs> yeah, and the movie isn't the movie isn't a full the movie isn't one of those classic biopics in which they take us from when she was like literally conceived all the way up until when she died. This right, is a very right, specific right. part of her life. Um, so there's also uh, yeah yeah there's 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 just that too. But and um, we also okay. haven't talked to each other at all. We've had like a complete embargo and haven't spoken to each other since we saw the movie. So I know, and I'm dying <laughs> to, to 
tell you what okay. the fuck happened to me. In tell this me what happened to you. What happened to you? Did anything party? happen to you? Get it out of the way, babe, because I'm about ready to trump. <laughs> no, I went with I went with Billy and with uh, another friend of ours, Meredith, and we had a really good time. Then we went and had Judy Garland sized martinis afterwards, and just cheers to Judy all night long. It was great. Uh, so I, so drum roll, please. Ding, ding, ding. Here's my story. Um, I, I think I saw it like, you know, I, I, I iconically, because I, I, I don't have a job and I can sometimes leave my cat alone in the house. I went around noon o'clock to Burbank to see it. And like in Burbank, they have like literally like AMCs on every corner. I swear to God, there's like four AMCs. And I went to the big one, AMCs 14. I'm calling you all out. <laughs> You're going to listen to this podcast Sponsor and give me a million dollars for doing what you did to my Judy. And there was like, you know, I don't know, moms and gays. There's probably about like 15 of us in the screening. It was like at noon. And Judy starts, and about 20 minutes in, I start hearing things that I'm like, this isn't the background. This isn't like birds chirping in this scene. It was like, kind of like someone sliding on leather, maybe some knocking was going on. I couldn't tell if it was going on from the other screen. And it kind of was coming in and out. Not to the point where like, I was re- I was going to want to run out and stop viewing Judy, but to the point where I was like, ah, like maybe something bizarre was like laid over this, um, this showing or so I could not make sense of it, but it was definitely like in and out. And again, not so distracting, but enough to be like, ah, this is kind of a bummer. And I would say about (laughs) an hour in a man walks in with jingling with his jingling keys, lays down, crawls under the screen, turns on his flashlight and starts speaking loudly in Spanish to someone else. Everyone starts being like, oh, and then you start hearing audible, what's happening? <laughs> that man at some point scales the side of the screen with his flashlight up to the top and then scales the top of the screen, continually speaking <laughs> loudly to someone else. We only hear him speaking. At one point, someone in the audience screams, we don't need a translator. It's Judy. <laughs> Doesn't, I didn't really understand what that meant, but I was like, yeah, I guess like Judy transcends all language. Like you can just turn this off. That man climbs up and down the scaffolding three times, goes in and out of the theater also twice continues to speak at some point i plead the movie's almost over please let us just listen to her sing somewhere over the rainbow he never responds he never even acknowledges that we're seeing a movie (laughs) it was wild i mean like i it was like it was almost like we were on like some kind of really sad gay hating candid camera or something <laughs> like <laughs> and then like candid and then I camera got... candid camera hate crimes hate crimes <laughs> hate crimes um and god babe and so yeah we all that's like, awful we just, like, i'm so sad about that i know and so we all um like like a little like you know like a little mob like i was the first to go there i was like i need to speak to the manager <laughs> 
And then everyone was behind me, like a Greek chorus being like, this has never happened. Did he not know? People kept saying, did he not know we were watching a movie? And I was like, yes, I'm pretty sure the man doing like very loud construction behind the screen of Judy did know that that movie, a movie was on and we were sitting in the seats watching it. I just don't know, you know, um, and, oh my God. and then I pulled, yeah. And so I pulled my A-lister because they were like, we'll refund all of your tickets. And I was like, I don't need, I'm not going to see three movies this week. Can you please give me a food vouchers? And so I, <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't know what to do. Can um, you please give me a food voucher? <laughs> well, like I held up my large drink and I was like, I want a refund on this. <laughs> and my $6 like slurp. Um, <laughs> And so I got, yeah, so I got free popcorn and a free drink. Oh, that doesn't good, ex- good work, Yeah, that doesn't expire until, like, 2021. So <laughs> if anyone wants to come with me to the next Judy screening, I'll be able to are, treat you. Are you going to go again? I'm not. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm going to see this movie again. I'm, I mean, it, with so all So did you love said, it? So, okay, let's get I to the movie. It. I loved it, too. Yeah, I, loved I loved it, it so loved much. It. Yeah, so with all that, even though that was so horrible and... And it was, again, possibly the most bizarre worst experience seeing a movie of my life. And I see a lot of fucking movies. Uh, it, trans- it was able to transcend that experience. Renee yeah. Zellweger was able to still constantly transport me and move me. Um, oh, and which she's is just like astonishing. So powerful. Yeah, so I don't even know where to begin. Let's get into it. Um, um, okay, this is where I want to begin. Okay. Renee Zellweger's. um, Okay, so as I said, I was really nervous about the singing, right? And the way they set it up in the movie, she actually doesn't sing for probably the first half of the movie. And the anticipation building around Judy having to sing, like when she goes into that rehearsal and she refuses to sing in the rehearsal, like the anticipation around Judy having to sing, Renee having to sing as Judy were like wrapped up in the same tension for me. And the question of can Judy do it and can Renee do it were like tied together in this really beautiful dramatic tension. And then she does it. And the impersonation up to that point is so good. And it's, the singing is so amazing. Like she doesn't have, let's just get this out of the way. She, Renee Zellweger's (laughs) lungs are not as big as Judy Garland's lungs. She does not have the power that Judy has, of course, but who her, does? I don't. I really can. I don't. I don't no know. No one who does. has that thing that Judy has. Like, but her doing period. it, her her singing. She is a great singer. She's a very good singer, Renee Zellweger, and her impersonation is so good. But it's so much has so much Renee in it too, and that was what was so beautiful. It wasn't. It couldn't just be an impersonation. She had to give of herself, like Judy gave of herself. And that's when, like, that melding was so beautiful. And she gave as much of herself as Judy gave of herself. That that was what was so beautiful to me. I'll go my way by myself. This is the end of romance. go my way by myself Love is only a dance I'll try to apply myself 
teach my heart how to sing. Like a bird on the concerned i thought i I think we all kind of like did a big like like neck crank when we heard that renee zellweger you know on paper was gonna play judy garland because absolutely what i never even like you know in a million years if i did top 20 i wouldn't even consider renee zellweger right in in that you know in in that option so i think we and we all i think remember renee zellweger um in her 20s Mm-hmm. And I think that that's the image that we think we can't quite place that with Judy Garland. But Renee Zellweger's fifty, you know, like she's mm-hmm. she, you know, she's actually older than what Judy Garland was during that time um, by a couple of years. Um, so I think there was that that, that kind of like um, disconnect that we couldn't quite uh, figure that out. But I did watch the trailer, and that trailer was is beautifully edited, and you see that. I mean, those wigs are iconic. That, like, fluff of the front of the hair. And I just, like, I'm not saying that she doesn't do a lot of work. That wig does so much work from the opening from her from her forehead. Up. Uh-huh. I'm just, like, abs- ab- absolutely blown away. So I saw the trailer, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't even know that they have her speak. They just have images. And I'm like, okay, the look is here. I'm here for the look. And like you said, she's not doing a, she's not, she's not trying to be, like, a complete impersonator of Judy Garland. Yeah. She, she, it's like she's meeting Judy Garland at a certain place in the road with her Renee Zellweger. Mm-hmm. And somehow she just f- fucking transports you. Yeah. You made me love you. I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do it. You made me love you. And all the time you knew it. I guess you always knew it. You made me happy sometimes. You made me glad. But there were times, dear, you made me feel so sad. You made me sigh because I didn't want to tell you. 
Every mention of your name sends my heart reeling. You know you made me love you. And what she does, what she, what she does physically too. She has this physicality so mastered. It's like there are certain things that are complete Judy. And she also, the thing that was so excited about, she has that really, that wry, harsh Judy. That Judy in the interviews in the end. You know, if you watch those like later interviews of Judy not suffering fools on a chat show, like Judy Garland was not one to be fucked with. And Renee has that kind of steely spine Judy. It's very, very wry. It's very acerbic. You know, she's not, and she, and at the same time vulnerable, but she doesn't, she didn't lean into the places I thought she was going to lean into. Like the hyster, hyster, hysteronics. No. Uh, like the flailing, the flailing Judy, the. No. It's very small. And it's also the, uh, Rupert Gould, who directed it, did a great job too. Sometimes she would just pass the frame really quickly and you'd be like, oh fuck, that's Judy Garland. Yeah. Yeah. That, I love when she whispers. Mm-hmm. I love when she just kind of does like a little, just a kind of little bit of a, an aside to her. You know, she's, uh, uh, you know what I'm calling this? <clears throat> what? Okay, you ready for this bitch? Renee Zellweger's Judy's The Rose. Oh. Didn't it give you that? Uh, come on, bitch. At the yeah. at the end in the phone booth? Yeah, the you, like, phone booth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just you know, like last, the, yeah. Last yeah. call to the family? Yeah. The, and that was the last time she spoke. I like. I was just thinking, like, was that the last time she spoke to Lorna? Like, probably not, because she lived for six months after this movie ended. But but Lorna, they they they, they um, Lorna does say that actually, like, they all got on the phone with her to to celebrate, uh, to go out and spend the summer with her in London. Right. Um, that was a lot. The last time they did talk was like a kind of very similar conversation like that. Like they were going to come out and and be with her, um, and then she died. So yeah, it was, they she you know there is obviously some truth in that. But so this is at the end of Judy Garland's life, and she's just tired. Yeah, she is just tired, and um, and she has an exa- she has an exacerbated um, addiction to secondol, which is the barbiturate that she's taking throughout the film. And you know when she died, the autopsy said it wasn't the second autopsy actually said it wasn't cirrhosis or alcoholism. It was a pro, and it wasn't um, a single overdose of secondol it was a prolonged addiction to secondol that eventually wore down her body and killed her i can't imagine the booze helped though and i also just was thinking about how you know all of that on an empty stomach yeah the the eating disorder was a huge thing that i never think about with judy and when she does that thing with the plate with the piece of cake she keeps moving it and looking she keeps at it turning it around. Over. Yeah. Oh, she had a terrible, a terrible eating disorder, Judy Garland, that started when she was a kid. And they do a lot of flashbacks in this movie to the Judy of The Wizard of Oz and Meet Me in St. Louis, the early Judy. What did you, how did you feel about those flashbacks? I didn't, I mean, I thought they were beautifully, I thought the whole thing was luscious and beautifully shot. Mm. And especially the flashbacks um, just had this kind of um, romanticism to them. Yes. 
and I really and and, and the costume designer was must have just been on going to Jizz Central Town because <gasps> you could just tell like the costumes, the clothes, the clothes, the clothes, the clothes, 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 clothes. I mean, the, truly, when when the man in the audience says we don't need a translator, it's Judy. <laughs> you really could just like it turn it off and and just watch watch the the clothes and the, the way that they're moving. I mean. Ah, oh, it's was so beautiful. No, the flashbacks were corny. I mean, they were kind of corny. They were kind yeah. of doing a real. Uh, you know, this is Renee Zellweger's movie. The movie itself is like okay. It's like it's yeah. it's pretty good, but it can't keep pace. Nothing can keep pace with what Renee Zellweger is doing in this. Yeah. I mean, in in, he, in in this film. So yeah, so it does show he her also, as a kid. He, he spends a lot of time in close up. The director with and Renee. As, yeah, and with that little girl. And Renee in close-up is fascinating, but that young girl is not quite as thrilling in close-up as Renee Zellweger is. And I wish she would have not spent so much time on her face. But Yeah, and I mean, the whole thing about showing us, like, this is where she was and this is how she came from is a little rote. And, like, we all know that, like, we all, kind, we all know that that is a very common story and a very... Known story of Judy Garland's, which is what happens to most most child stars. I mean, she was a child of the studios too, so the studios owned her, yes. which is like insane. Essentially, she was a slave to these films and uh, couldn't make any of her own decisions. Was started on these pills. Um, Man, that fucking scene when he says, "You're Francis Gum. You're a two bit vaudeville performer whose father is a faggot and whose mother is stuck back in Grand Rapids." Like I was like, "Holy shit." And also, I didn't know Judy's dad was gay. I, I don't know if that's conf- Yeah, I, I mean, you, she married true. a gay man. Yeah. And before before this last husband, the husband before that uh, was that was the gay husband number four. That was a gay, number four is a gay husband. Right. Um, number five, she never got divorced from Mickey. Mickey's in the film. Well, she also like died. She died. Like he's the one who found her body. Yeah, on, a, on the toilies. <laughs> yeah, in the bathroom, yeah. In the bathroom on the toilies. That's so funny. I love it. So, so it starts off, and the film starts off with her performing with her kids, hopping from theater to theater, because at this point in Judy's life, she can't make movies. She hasn't made movies in like eight years. She's been touring and been kind of living on that, but it's been constantly mismanaged. But she also, yeah, so she had liens on her, all of her assets from the IRS. Mm-hmm. And doesn't have a home. She had to sell her home in Brent. She had a home in Brentwood, which they never showed. They just actually show her and her two youngest kids kind of um, hopping around. And that whole beginning is so, it just, it, it, it totally shows what transition she is and how aimless she is because yeah. she ends up dropping her kids back off at her ex-husband's house and then going over to Liza's house and Liza's just having some random party. How fabulous was that where Judy's just, and I was like, oh my God. We think of Judy Garland as iconic. Yeah. But back then, she was washed up. Yeah. There was already, this is, we're, a, we're in the roaring 60s, and Judy Garland has not really been a hit. You know, I mean, I think she was still, was she, re, you know, reviled she, as she an amazing the, person. Yeah, she, and she had done this very iconic concert at the Palace in New York. In 61. No, the, the is that was that sixty one that concert? Well, Carnegie, what, Carnegie, um, Carnegie was sixty one when she won the best album of the year. 
Right. So, and then, but the palace is later, and the palace is after she had all of these tax liens. So she made all this money and sold out all these knights, and the IRS just came and took it all. Took it all. Can't give you a thunderbird or a penthouse with a view. Can't even buy a little present. I'm much too broke, I find. But there is one way I may save the day. And I sure hope you don't mind that I can't give you anything but love, baby. That's the only thing I plenty of. You know, the Judy Garland show she made $24 million from in like the early 60s, but that all that's what got um, eaten away by the gay husband and the bad agents who stole all this money from her. And that's and, when she got in trouble with the IRS. And that was only a year, and it really crushed her. You know, she, you can yeah. already tell, in, which is, I mean, some of the best things you'll ever see in your entire life, Battle Angels, is watching the Judy Garland show. I mean, Absolutely. it's only one season. If you do anything, just watch them. Just watch that. Just watch her perform. I'd love to see you Look and swell Baby Diamond bracelets Woolworth doesn't Baby Till that lucky day You know darn well Baby I can't give you Anything but love. She is so light, but she's also like, you can tell, struggling to maintain. So there is just this most ins- insane combination of like, just perseverance and pushing through. That Sorry, that also has the my favorite YouTube performance of Judy Garland of all time, which is Old Man River. Yes, which you know is my old standby. That's my favorite, my favorite, 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 like, treat mm-hmm. yourselves. Why? And it's when she sings, I'm tired of living but scared of dying. Scared of dying. It's like I thought about it all through this movie. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of living but
20s and it just talk about getting up every morning or going to sleep every night that just summed up so much of my life watching that and that was my go-to mm-hmm. when i would meet people i'd be like got something to show you you know back <laughs> in the young, young days of youtube i thought it was so cool i thought that was my cool thing um it is so cool oh. it is so cool and so, but, but it's so interesting that we're seeing her. So that was all in the early 60s. And I just kept thinking about the passing of time and doing mm-hmm. the research on Judy and just think like, that five years is huge. That's a lot of time. Yeah. She was prolific touring. She actually did, you know, a lot of international tours. She went to, um, she did Australia. She kind of had some iconic Australian performances. But she also did... a really bad one in Australia in Melbourne. Yeah. So the Sydney uh-huh. concerts were amazing, but then the Melbourne concert, she was Burned an out. hour late for, and everyone thought she was drunk. And that's when they really threw a lot of stuff at her on the stage. And she left after 40 minutes, I think. And so, concert. yeah. And so now we're at this kind of point in her life where she is just kind of just really struggling to get by and so in the opening couple um minutes of the film she goes to liza's house and she's just kind of floating around and you know we we think of her as this icon and goddess and there's just something with something really human about her just kind of being at a party full of young people yeah her kind of not knowing what to do and liza kind of being like mama come out with us We're, we're you know come with us and she's like just wanting to stay. She literally says, I just want to stay in one place for more than 20 minutes. Yeah. So she like just wants to, and, and it just, there was just something so grounding about those first couple of scenes that kind of really sets the stage of the, where she is at in her life. Um, that, and, and where, where we are at watching, uh, Renee Zellweger in this performance. Like you said, I love that you brought up that she doesn't sing. We really just see her kind of trying to figure out what, what the fuck to do because mm-hmm. like she says she doesn't know what to, she has no manager she can't get insured for the studios that's why she stopped doing films no she studio so, insure when she her. says that to sid luft in that scene this is another thing i'm obsessed with in this performance there's no self-pity she doesn't have any self-pity when she says that she's just it's just the facts and what renee does so brilliantly in this movie is she tries to solve the problem like judy is in this trouble She's in financial trouble. She's in family trouble. And she's always trying to solve the problem. She's just trying to fix it and get to the next step. And there's no self-pity in it. And it's amazing because Judy Garland didn't have an ounce of self-pity. I had this really um, prophetic thought that uh, watching this film, I thought the things that she learned in the the, um, back when she was a child working for um, all the big studios. Mm Mm-hmm was the, th- the thing that was also killing her was then also the thing that like kept her alive that kind of just constantly working and i was like whoa what a double-edged sword that is mm-hmm. like she learned how to be a workhorse that kind of ruined her life that then kept her life going at the end of her life does that make sense yeah uh work was uh, work was what she knew to do yeah. Like that's that's all she knew t- how to keep going and survive was by constantly working. She really never left the stage, even though she didn't um, uh, make albums after a certain point or movies or television specials. She really did um, continue always on the stage. Yeah, up until you know the last part of her life, which is where we're at in the film, which is when she mm-hmm. goes to London, 
she goes to London to do this series of con- this series of this sit down at this place called the Talk of the Town, which was a theater, but also I mean, not really supper club, but it had a very kind of have a drink and sit at this table and see Judy Garland, and it's four tears. I mean, that moment too when she's rehearsing in the church hall and she says, "How many tears is it?" And they oh, say four, and then the pianist says, "How many tears was Carnegie Hall?" And you just from her back, and she goes five. You're like, oh, like her life is like, like designated in stages she's been on, like carved out in places she performed and like challenges she met, you know, and the way that Renee, the way that Renee contorts her body, Mm -hmm. sick and feeble body that's so tired, but still has the flame of life inside of her that keeps her, that keeps her mincing around the stage. And actually on that iconic CBS morning um, news show, Renee talks about, they talk about kind of her learning and she's like, yeah, it's choreography. She was like, if you watch enough with Judy Garland, she resorts to what I consider her choreography and her choreography on stage, the grabbing of the, you know, the, um, the mic cord and the kind of flipping of the hands, which we all kind of recognize. Um, and that Renee like kept seeing and Renee really, she, and again, she doesn't take it over drag queen over the top Mm -mm. where it's like, it's like, it's, it's just, just such an interesting, beautiful combination. And, and I've read that the director knew that Renee, like you said, didn't have that voice. And didn't try to get her to do that, which I right. am so appreciative of. I'm so grateful that like they just let her kind of do Renee and but still keep some of the Judy in there. Like there were moments where I was like, wow, I really do feel like I'm hearing uh, Judy Garland well, you know, and, in some of these stanzas and some of these lines. And her her the effort in doing it, the, Renee's effort in trying to understand Judy through her physicality and through her voice is what is so heroic and such an amazing homage to Judy. You know, she's trying to understand herself by being, by imitating this choreography, by doing these moves, by singing in this certain way. And that's what was so beautiful to me. Once in my life, I have someone who needs me. Someone I've needed so long. Once in my life I can go where life leads me And somehow I know I'll be strong For once I can touch What my heart used to dream of Long before I knew Someone I won't let sorrow hurt me Not like it's hurt me before For once I have someone I know Who won't desert me I'm not alone anymore For once Oh gosh, and then of course, you know, they, they really do like um, give us a scene for the gays. Who who didn't cry? 
after. Oh my gosh, when these gays come up to her at the stage door. And this is like apocryphal. There are lots of people who will tell you this, that in London at that time, you could see Judy Garland. Like, you could talk to her. Like, she needed friends. She was, like, out on the street, like, And I've also also heard a lot of stories that she made a really good omelette. Wait, real? Nah, are you serious? Yeah, Yeah, I've heard those stories before. Like, there are all these apocryphal stories about Judy. Like, even from old gays, like, there's this old episode of RuPaul's Drag Race where the gay that Jinx Monsoon is dragging up. He talks about, he, he, like, tells a story about, like, I think I got Judy addicted to sleeping pills. Yeah, and, like, talks to about a story about, like, meeting her and going out with her. And, like, there are older gays who have those stories, whether they're true or not or how much. Yeah, I was going to say, I wonder if every old gay, like, claims to have a story about Judy. Sure. You know, like, where bet is, like, if I had a dime for everyone that said they saw me at the bathhouses, like, <laughs> right. the richest woman on the earth. Um, and whether but, yeah. you've seen, I didn't need that was my to first... happen or not. I just I I don't I don't need it to be real. The, so there's this. She goes to a gay couple's house and kind of has a night with them, and uh, and I don't need that to be real or not. I needed it for myself. Oh, I'm getting choked up. Oh my gosh. Um, and I and in that moment I realized um, how important she was to me in that moment. You know. And I realized, like, how important Wizard of Oz was to me for some reason. Even doing this whole thing, I barely talked about the Wizard of Oz. Like, we've brought up in the beginning. That was most, the most important movie of my childhood. That was the first time I fell in love with everything. First time I just was, like, transfixed and, and bewitched. And Judy Garland was so much of that bewitchingness. Like, yeah. to, to see someone with that kind of heart and, and magic. Like, I, you know, I, I, for the first time, realized that, like, uh, you can be... You, you could, when you, performers could be magical, right? Right. Like it wasn't just like cartoons or, or silly or fun. It was like, this is something else. And I didn't, and I didn't, I didn't understand that. And that was my turning point. And so to see in that scene and, oh girl, when she, when, and, when he starts playing for her. Oh, and she comes from behind him and hugs him. I mean, that was my first cry of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was also amazing. I saw it with a, 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 a hetero female friend of mine who likes Judy, but she was like, you know, definitely had a lot of questions as to like why the gays and Judy. And we got to like talk about this later. But something I loved about those that gay couple is I, I realized in trying to articulate this to my friend, going to see Judy was how we celebrated our secret. Mm-hmm. You know? She was the celebration of our secret for an entire generation of people. And I mean, this is like what our podcast is about, but she was the original, she was the original diva, at least in America. Like I'm sure in France it was Piaf or something, but in America it was Judy. It was always Judy and watching, like think, I I rewatched the Palladium concert last night on YouTube and just seeing these tears and tears and tears of men just clapping ferociously, you know, with their wives or with their roommates or whoever they were with. But they went to go celebrate their secret with her. I mean, we literally, we talked about the euphemism, friend of Judy's. Like, that was a way to codely ask if someone is gay. Yeah. Right? They say say, um, during her Carnegie Hall uh, taping, which... You know, I I always like bring up Rolling Stone like it's relevant in any fucking way, and I don't know if it's on the top five, but it's like one of that is one of the albums that people you know don't put on as one of the greatest recordings of all time, 
And it just, just thinking about it, I got that album from a friend, from a friend's parents, right? Mm. When I was like 19, no, no, I was younger than that. I was like 17. And I just, I mean, y'all, it is, so we're going to tell you to go to the YouTube and watch the Judy Garland show. And we're going to tell you to just sit with this album Mm -hmm. on this fall day, because it is, it's just, it's everything. It's just, it's transporting. You are there. You are absolutely there. It's so alive. What a day this has been What a rare mood I'm in Why it's almost like being in love There's a smile on my face For the whole human race Why it's almost like being in love All the music of life Seems to be Like a bell That is ringing For me And from the way That I feel When that bell Starts to peal I could tell I was falling I would swear I was it's almost like being in love Almost like being in love Almost is almost But this can't be love Because I feel so well No And they said during, um, no uh, during those concerts no uh, You know, I think specifically men would just start walking up to her, like as if to God, as if to a holy, uh, a holy person, and start um, requesting songs. And once she, fin- I'm going to start crying. I know this is so moving to me, but when she would, when she finished her book, they would just request the same songs over again. So she would go mm. get through all of her repertoire, even after all of these requests, and then they would just ask her to repeat songs. It was that intense and in that good. I mean, that's how much. Yeah, there's so much wrapped up in her. There's so much meaning wrapped up into her. And it's so, you know, like we said, she's at this apartment and he starts playing for her and she starts singing. And then he starts like, you know, after he tells her about what it's like to kind of be gay and in that time period. And um, and and as she's singing, he starts crying. And I just think like, oh, my gosh, like he gets he gets to share that moment with her, which what we all want to do is say, like, this is what you meant to my life as a, as a little queer person. And that moment is just like what the podcast is. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's like what we're trying to do on this or what we're trying to express. I Okay, so I had, can I tell you my other cry cues? <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, I, I, you, you need to tell me because I had a struggle crying after that when uh, Bob, Bob the Builder came and uh, fixed the whole theater. <laughs> you didn't get to experience it as much. Okay, so my other cry cues were... Um, in the phone booth, obviously, when she calls Lorna. And then my double... Oh, wait, can we just go... Also, when Lorna's just very much like, I don't want to travel anymore. Like, I love that they didn't make Lorna too emotional, just as a natural kid being like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I I actually just want to go to school. And that just breaks Judy's heart even more. Like, Lorna's not even considering it. She just wants a normal life. I found that heartbreaking. Also, how Judy, like, frames that question is so complicated right like she says like you can say it 
if you want what? to say it, do you want to say it? It was such, it was so complicated. It was hard to even know what Lorna was going through. I'm sure Lorna Luft would tell you that, that she didn't know what her emotions were around it at the time. And it was, a lot of this is based on Lorna's book too. Um, I can't remember if Lorna sanctioned this or not. I don't think she did. Oh, she? I don't, I don't know. I feel like I heard Renee referencing Lorna's book a lot. Well, I know that but, um, Renee, like, pay, uh, you know, uh, and gratefully, uh, which we have, we've gone through this whole podcast and I talked about My Life in the Shadows, which was right. Lorna's book about her experience yes. with her mother, which was turned into an iconic, one of my most important oh, so things. Good. We'll do an episode on it later with Judy we Davis and Tammy will. Blanchard, both playing Judy, young and old, and it's two of the greatest performances of all time. I, it was it was from 2001. I was in my kitchen, wrapped up in a blanket. It was a two-part on CBS. Mm-hmm. Um uh, four hours, uh, uh, and I and each night I, I sat and I watched it, and I was just completely enthralled. It's funny because Judy Davis is just a live wire. I mean, like electric, yes. and is just wild with energy. The kind of which we can see Judy, and I think the Renee Zellweger performance. It's it's totally different. It's that Absolutely. kind of more subdued, broken, and tired, and, and, tired, and both are totally valid. And I just love that we get. You know, Ugh, we're so lucky, so lucky to have them both. Okay, so so you're okay. So you're in the phone booth, phone call. and then when the fucking when oh. the fucking bongos started for "Come Rain or Come Shine," I just started crying immediately. I was really? like, "We're gonna," because at that point, I'm like fully on board with Renee's what Renee's doing, and I'm so excited to see "Come Rain or Come Shine." I'm gonna love you. Like nobody's loved you, come rain or come shine. High as a mountain, deep as a river, come rain or come shine. I guess when you met me, it was just one of those things. started crying through that and then it went into over the rainbow and i was fully a puddle and completely lost it through the end of the movie Mm. i was dead and then my biggest one came outside when we were talking about how the movie ended with over the rainbow and i started talking about how i was really afraid the whole movie that we were going to have to watch her die i'm so like in la vie en rose or in the rose when we see the actual death. And I didn't even think about it before I went in, but I 
like about halfway through the movie, I started like having a lot of anxiety about like, are we going to have to watch her die? And I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to take watching Judy die. And I'm so grateful that we didn't have to do that. I am and too, babe. He let us leave on this beautiful high of her and her fans and the fans helping her through that final moment. And it's so gorgeous. And I am so grateful for that in this movie. Somewhere over the rainbow Way up high There's a land that I've heard of once in a Um, I was like, oh, I really hope they don't follow that trajectory. I don't want yeah. Actually, I think I was thinking a lot about The Rose. And I know it's one of your favorites. It's obviously iconic, great. But it's not something that I like to watch. It's just, it's it's yeah. it's really kind of... It's, it's hard just, for me to watch that movie. It's just an intense. And it's every scene is is kind of just more of her falling down the rabbit hole of addiction and and... All of her issues, you know, whereas this yeah. actually t- I found I was grateful not just that they didn't show us the death, but that they took a lighter turn on it. They didn't fully wallow, you know, they're mm-hmm. in her like obviously the whole time she is pilled up and she is a uh, drinking, but they didn't they didn't fetishize it. No. And the drinking almost it was you wouldn't see it a lot. It almost kind of passed the frame like she would have the glass and they didn't fetishize it. It was, that, but how iconic! Come on, that first scene where she's like, where she orders, where she's trying to get into her hotel room, and she's like, "Oh, can I order a soup and and a and a, and a vodka on the rocks?" Oh, oh, never, never mind. I don't eat the soup. I'm just too tired to sleep. <laughs> or I'm just too tired to eat. I'm too tired to sleep. I'm too tired to eat. It was so good. Um, so, any other final thoughts about the movie or? Um... Uh, 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 beyond again, like, uh, you know, if we're co- usually all, if, obviously if we're covering a movie, I mean, we couldn't, as you said, we couldn't not, not cover this, but I think, um, it's, this is called for the girls. And so we're promoting it and we're absolutely promoting this film. 
uh, please yes. go and see it. It's 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 also just a beautiful ode to what it means to need to survive and be an artist. It shows that um, kind of hunger. Uh, you know, she kind of pleads with her fans at the end, like, you know, I, I hope you're there for me. And I think, like, as oh. artists, we all have that kind of in us, um, that kind of need to be fed. Mm-hmm. Our, uh, you know, like, that we, we create art really to, to, for it to be shared mm-hmm. and to be received. Um, and I, and I think we really see, we see Renee Zellberger's artistry. Um, I mean, honey, welcome back. Like they keep calling this a comeback. I don't know. I'm so happy to have her back. I, she gave this amazing interview where she basically said she took these six years off because she had just, she felt like she was using the same life experience again and again in her work. And she wanted some new life to share the experience with. And so she stopped working. Are, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is true. I know this is true for me. I'm pretty sure this is true for you. I think I remember this. Our very first R-rated movie that we saw by ourselves was Jerry Maguire. Yes, that is true. When we that thought it was true. so big. We were like, oh my oh gosh. My and God. that's how we got introduced to Renee Zellweger. And listen, if you were stealing a picture from my Tommy girl... Like you, you know what you're fucking doing. You know what you're doing, and, and she that was her first Oscar did. nomination, wasn't it? I, I don't think she was nominated for. No, she was not nominated for Jerry Maguire. I think she was. I think you're gonna rue the day that. I won't. She wasn't nominated for Jerry Maguire. She was her first Oscar nomination was for um, Bridget Jones's Diary, and oh. then it was for Cold Mountain, which she's amazing in. Which um, she won for. No, she did. Yes, she did. Yes, she won yes, for she Best did. Supporting Actress, and then Chicago. In um, Chicago, she was nominated. Right, she I was found, not nominated for Jerry Maguire. That's weird. You rude the day. I uh, I love her in Chicago. I mean, I love Renee Zellweger. I find her so interesting to watch. And I really do. Like, Renee's coming for that little golden statue, well, you, girl. You know, like, my other, you know my other favorite Renee Zellweger movie, which no one ever watches or talks about. Texas called- Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. <laughs> yes. 1994. No, it's called One True Thing. It stars <gasps> her and Meryl Streep <gasps> and Bill Hurt. And it is my most, we're going to do an episode on it because I identify with it so hard because she's like a bitter. You had it on VHS. She's moved to New York and she comes home and her mom is a super homemaker and her dad is a distant professor, just like my family. And, but also in the movie, her mom is obsessed with who? Bette Midler. That's right. I know. And like Meryl's driving around in a minivan listening to Friends and singing along. And Bette did the song for that movie called um, My One True Friend that was written by Carol King. And it's a really great track, and that movie will make me cry. My, it's about cancer, y'all. Y'all, Renee Zellweger's great. I mean, she don't really, sleep on Renee. Don't sleep on Renee, and I don't think we are anymore. I really don't think we are. Like, and also, like, like haters, haters gonna hate. Like, step off. Like, you know, no one needs to be talking about. Uh, she got a lot of hate for her appearance, and I think, like, oh, re- that, remember how terrible that was? It was really terrible, and I think at that time it was kind of. You know, all that was all before the Me Too, and I think it was, and I think now we all we all look at that as a really dark time, and I'm glad culturally we all see how irresponsible and gross that was, um, and and I don't know, I just feel like we're in a Renee's Renaissance. We are in the Ren, the Renaissance. We're in the Renaissance, and I really just, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm Renaissance. <laughs> <laughs> what else do you want from Renee in the Renaissance? 
What are you hoping for? What am I hoping for? What am I hoping for? Well, so she tried to do a um, a horror movie called like 49 Ladders or 40. I don't know. It's like where she gets it's like a spooky kid movie. I don't really remember it. It wasn't very good. She was iconic in it. But I could really see her like doing an, like another like prestige horror film. So that's what I want. I would like oh, you to want a prestige horror film from her? Yeah, like prestige a, like horror. Like a hereditary? Yeah, give me, yes. I want to, give me a hereditary. Like, give me Ooh. like, give me like, this is kind of her mamazons. So, um, I'm also like seeing her like doing some, like an iconic mother role. I mean, I have not watched her series on Netflix called What If. I haven't watched it in two. <laughs> yeah. um, what if? Want... So, like, what if? What if? That's what? What's it called? What if? Well, no, it's called What, what it slash called? If. What if? Like, <laughs> <laughs> not a name. Yeah. Um, I'm also, name. oh my gosh, I'm like so into her whole oeuvre. I mean, we're going to go back to like Miss Potter, White Oleander, Jesus. Um, I want from her like a gritty. Nurse Betty, so good. A Nurse Betty was amazing. Also, like we can't, Betty. we also have to mention fucking Empire Records. I, I, I come on, sh- come on, Sugar Hill, or is it mm-hmm. Sugar High? What is it? Sugar, sugar High. Sugar High. Sugar High. Well, that was her first singing on screen for us. Why I always associate that song with you? I because I was obsessed with it, her? and I was obsessed with that. I was obsessed with that album. I had it on CD. She was my everything in that movie. Also, her and Liv Tyler. Hello, at Astra, bring See, it back around. That's you. I'm Liv Tyler because I always like. Yes. I literally would go to sleep and imagine that I would be able to wear like this, like fuzzy kind of midriff um, sweater, uh, uh, sweater with my like schoolgirl plaid with my boots. Like I literally would be like, oh, that's who I want to be with the like the long b- black hair. Mm-hmm. And Whoa. I wanted to be Renee. My my sister also was obsessed with Renee cosplay from Empire Records. And my sister would always do that quote from it um, where Renee goes, ooh, shock me, shock me, shock me with your deviant behavior. <laughs> wow. I would not going to have to watch that. Yes, Though I also songs. deeply, I deeply songs? wanted to be Robin Tooney in that movie too. Because, you know, I wanted to be all goth and angry. Yeah, and die where she has her funeral where they like oh, faux yes. have her funeral. That soundtrack was like, uh, also, yeah, soundtrack of our lives. Renee Zellweger, uh, yes, mama, come for it. Can't wait to see more of you. We're uh, so proud of you, Renee. But if you also so wanted much. to take another break, do it, girl. You've already given us such a gift. So. Absolutely. Do whatever Absolutely. you want, Renee. Like, <laughs> don't listen to no one. Can I just read to you this quote from Judy's funeral? Yeah. Yes, please. So, um, James Mason, who starred with Judy Garland in A Star is Born, which we did an episode about um, at the beginning of the year. Go back, scroll back through that. Listen to the episode, read, write us a review, give us five stars, download, <laughs> share. When you said that, subscribe. I was like, we did? <laughs> <laughs> we did, remember? Born yeah. in a trunk. 
Absolutely. Um, so James Mason, who was her co-star in that, actually gave uh, the eulogy at her funeral. And uh, this quote I thought was so beautiful from that. Judy's great gift was that she could wring tears out of hearts of rock. She gave so richly and so generously that there was no currency in which we could repay her. And I feel that way all the time when I watch Judy. I'm just like, you gave us so much and there's no way to say thank you. I mean, she gives us everything, right? I mean, like what happens when you give everything? When it's just yeah. all there. And she gave until, she, you know, that, there's also that quote, she gave until she couldn't give mm-hmm. anymore. She had nothing left to give. And you really feel that in, that, in the film, like mm-hmm. she was on her last gases and she just kept giving us that too. And it killed her. Um, yeah. So, uh, but so grateful. Um, such a fun. Judy will always be a well of inspiration to go back to and to fill us and to fill our lives up. You know, I mean, she is like, you know, in Mount Olympus of this podcast, of course. She, she is shines the, on she's the supreme. She's she the is the supreme. supreme. Yeah, she really is the supreme. So, And we thank you, Judy. And we will do a full Judy episode at some time when we get that fan on. Um, but write to us. Write us your stories about Judy. Send, tweet us your reviews of this movie. Uh, send us your Renee love for the Renaissance. Yeah, and, and you know, <laughs> I was going to say, like, we're going to be back to, this is like, I was going to be like, and we'll be back to um, original Already. programming, but, like, this is the original <laughs> programming. Like, this is the show. Like, again, Judy Garland, biopic movie starring the Renaissance is the show. So it's not <laughs> like, the Renaissance. Gonna, it's, it's not like we actually did at Astra. That would be the gag. The gag is if we actually just, like, Pulled that shit out of our hat and did Ad Astra. But. And as much as this is the Renaissance, we are still advocating for Mary Kay Place to win Best Actress for the movie Diane. Of course, mm-hmm. that is the only logical explanation for any thinking human. But if I that wish I could give happen, her a lifetime achievement for one movie. I could be down with that. <laughs> <laughs> to Mary Kay like, Place? Yeah, if they're like, so this Oscar for Diane goes to Mary Kay Place for Diane. Like there's just an, a Diane Oscar <laughs> that they give Every out year. just no, just once. <laughs> this really is explain a, it. This is a Mary Kay podcast. Yeah, yeah. And it always will be. But since we are in the Renaissance... We are also support Renee's. Um, yeah, ooh, this is going to be exciting. I haven't been this excited. I'm excited for that Renee Zellweger, Jennifer Lopez, both holding their Oscars picture. Yes, gorgeous. Um, and of Sorry, Sersha, it's not your year again. Oh, I don't know. Wait for the little, well, 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 little women, y'all. Wait, y'all better put on your little women outfits because we're also <laughs> going to be bringing you that soon for sure. But what we are going to be bringing you this month is some ooky spookies. So yes. um, get out your pumpkin carving kits because we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, uh, We've got four, four hot Halloween episodes coming to you. Absolutely. And we're going to love you. Come rain or come shine. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Battle Angels. Bye. Poor butterfly Needs the blossoms waiting Poor butterfly For she loved him so
into hours The hours pass into years And as she smiles through her tears She murmurs Oh 